0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You're listening to the best of Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. My name is Jay Quarry, Kevin Bowen here as well, Mark Dykton, man in the controls, it's Kevin and Quarry, the uh, now- Top 15th ranked middle market uh, FM station between 100 and 108 on a dial in uh, the top country. Top
2: 15 sounds better than just saying 15th, right? Kristen Texas. Yes, us yesterday. Congrats on being top 15. I mean, we could be 11th for all yeah. we know, right? I kind of like Chris's. Well, that was he, a good okay, PR spin he, on it.
1: I look at it this way, though. If you look at the, the, the shows that were in front of us, you got Birmingham, Cleveland, Charlotte, Buffalo, Kansas City, Oklahoma Oklahoma City. I mean, what are they talking about?
2: Well, that was a big night for them. They got Please, a nice, Thunder,
3: don't leave us. They got,
2: they got a big
1: win last night. You know, that Cowboy Hall of Fame, I personally think Roy Rogers this is his year. I mean, is that what they're talking about? Nashville, Pittsburgh, Baton Rouge. They probably are not going over it's a, the it's rankings a family and analyzing program. every city. Baltimore. Milwaukee, Kansas City, and St. Louis. So Kansas City twice. That they, they cancel out. That moves us to 14th right there, right? Did you say you had a Frank Reich-related comment? Frank Reich, um, on the third-ranked mid-market radio program in the morning in Charlotte, they're probably discussing Frank Reich. And this question was posed to me, and it's a good one. If you had to put your 401k right now... On either of the of two slots, which one would you go with? Who makes the playoffs first, the Indianapolis Colts or Frank Reich?
2: Yeah, I'd probably go Panthers. I mean, hell, they almost made it last year. Certainly the same thing can't be said about the Colts. And the NFC South is just one of the most godforsaken quarterback divisions you'll ever uh, it's see. It's
1: unbelievable. I mean, honestly, does any team in the NFC South have a starter next year? Mark, will you look up if Darnold's under contract?
2: I'm sure. pretty sure he's not. So, Jake, if you were to look at the under contract quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota not under contract, Jameis Winston not under contract. The best under contract quarterback in the NFC South is Desmond
1: Ritter.
3: Yeah, Sam Darnold's a free agent. P.J. Walker. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: now Derek Carr visited, or is visiting, or did visit it visit
1: did visit or is visiting New Orleans. I think that's where he's going to end up. Right. Isn't that kind of the thought process? Get a mutual thing there Isn't with the they Raiders. They invited him
3: for a visit, uh, and it, the Raiders have granted permission for that to happen. The plan is for him to visit today. Got it.
2: <laughs> um, so there could be a stop for Derek Carr, um, but I would go with Frank Reich on that one. I, I do think this, Jake. Are we a little premature in crowning Jacksonville as going to be the best team in the AFC South for the next half dozen years?
1: I mean anything can happen especially Obviously they're
2: trending in a really nice direction but a little too early to just crown them as like boom they are here to stay for x amount of years
1: but based on their you know their record wasn't like where did they finish in terms of the afc and record in other words how what will their schedule be next year
2: well they won the division so they'll right, play so that, all the first place teams in I the go, afc okay. from i was thinking it goes
1: year. by where you rank
2: I mean, if they lose week 17, they don't make the playoffs. Right. It's not like they won going
1: away. I mean, they have, but but Kevin, they have the answer and solidarity at the most important position in sports.
2: Without a doubt, and he certainly took a huge step forward. I just, I don't know if I look at them and say, pencil them in for 12 wins Well, the next I, five, but, six years. But I think
1: you do, here, here's the thing. They have a tough opponent. I'm looking at their opponents real quick. Woof. Understood, but here is the thing. They have more... Okay, they have fewer questions about themselves than the other teams in the AFC South, right? Definitely. In the in the NFC with Carolina... There's no Jacksonville equivalent in the NFC South. And this is the other thing. Like, where is the wild card opening in the AFC? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If Kansas City wins their division, you still have the Chargers in that division vying for a wild card. If Cincinnati wins their division, you still have Baltimore and Pittsburgh vying for a wild Miami card. Miami just if,
2: made the playoffs.
1: Yeah. If yeah. my if if Buffalo wins their division, you got Miami vying for a wild card in the NFC. I, I mean the NFC East maybe, but I, you know it just there's Mar- Mar- there Brodiple- seems to be a lot more talent or or. or middle pack balance in the afc
2: it's a conversation we had last year i've never seen the afc this deep and you could argue it's only really grown after last year because you know i remember a conversation we had this time last year was arguably the two worst teams in the afc last season 2021 you would say were jacksonville and the jets well they both were playing with quarterbacks drafted one or two overall yeah so the conversation was, what would happen if either of those two quarterbacks took a step forward, a la what we saw with Peyton Manning from 3-13 and to 13-3? and Well, Zach Wilson didn't sniff it, but Trevor Lawrence sure as hell did. So that, I think, is the reminder of...
1: Is you- Zach Wilson out of... Does he get a second shot somewhere? Or is this it?
2: Oh, I think he'll... Yeah, I think he'll still get another shot. I mean, hell, if Carson Wentz got as many shots as he did and... You know, Even Tannehill got a second shot. Yeah, I, I know that Wilson's play probably definitely wasn't at the Wentz level early in Philly, but I think he'll get some sort of chance.
3: I was saying in the break, if if and when Rogers gets traded from the NFC, give me your top five NFC quarterbacks next year. It's wild. Boy. Especially Brady retiring. A, gotta start with Jalen Hurts, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Prescott? Yeah, I put Dak up there. Stafford?
3: If he returned, oh, he was banged up last year. Stafford's maybe. Kyler Murray? Oof. <laughs> and that's top three? That's like top three. You're debating top three already. I mean, again, more to fill. Jared Goff after what he did oh, last Daniel year. Daniel Jones? Do you see what he might be getting in a deal? 35 to 37 million? I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Kirk Cousins? Daniel Jones. Mm. I think I'd go Goff
2: before I'd go Cousins or Jones. Okay. Um,
1: the fourth string guy for the Niners? Seriously. I mean, hell, the Niners' third string quarterback might be better than five different NFC team starters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to say, but that's the reality. Healthy, that's why I think the debate... A healthy
3: Garoppolo? Yeah. The debate with is Frank Reich's Panthers going to make the playoffs first or the Colts? It's got to be the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Without question. I would agree.
2: Uh, saw yesterday, Brian Flores to the Vikings as their defensive coordinator. Uh, this takes away a finalist in Arizona. So right now it's Indian Arizona, the two head coach openings. Arizona has Mike Kafka on their finalist list, the Giants offensive coordinator Patrick Mahomes' former QB coach, and then Lou Onarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. Okay. So neither of those finalists in Arizona have been finalists here. Kafka did interview here but did not interview a second time, so... Again, if we look at the four other openings this cycle, outside of D'Amico Ryan's, and there's obviously reasons why he took that Houston job, I don't really think the Colts were
1: that seriously interested in any of the candidates. Yeah, not a lot of cross-pollination, you mean, among candidates?
2: Yeah, and maybe Sean Payton was a little bit more of the Colts doing. on Better
1: job, Colts or Cardinals?
3: Um... What's the better job? Uh-huh. I'd say the Colts, because at least you get your pick of quarterback, whereas with the Cardinals, you're stuck good with point. Kyler. Good and point. you have to actually like him, which apparently has been the the hard thing to convince that's coaches. Very good
1: point. I, yeah, I, I think mean, Don't they have
2: the third overall pick?
3: I believe that's... I think so we,
2: if they wanted to, again, financially, it would really hamstring them. But if they wanted to make some huge sacrifice, they could try and get rid of Kyler.
1: I, I think that Arizona... The card doesn't Arizona just kind of seem like one of those franchises, though that you're like, does is anybody is that really an NFL franchise? Like, do they have a serious fan base? You yeah, know what fan I mean? Base just kind of is
2: certainly a fair question, but but then they show up and they make these like weird runs
1: every like eight years. Boy, it'd be a nice place to live.
2: On the Shane Steichen front, and I know Jake, dude. This is Jimmer says tweet. Yesterday indicate anything to you on days not hours. Would you slot anyone else in the favorite group if you had to bet on anybody?
1: No. I mean I when he says days, I, I, I think the thing about Like days, if I were to give hours.
2: you ten dollars right now, who would you put that ten bucks on? You had to put all ten bucks on one.
1: I mean I've said Raheem Morris all along, but then I had the I had the the vision man, Aaron Glenn. It's one of those two. Yeah. I'm glad you've gone vision, not dream. <laughs> I wasn't I I I don't think I was necessarily in full REM sleep.
2: I think I'd probably put the ten bucks on psych, and again, I'm not overwhelming with that thought, but you know, his quarterback history, I think you have to really like that. Get Philip Rivers, and by all accounts, Philip Rivers and Shane Steichen are extremely close still to this day. And knowing Philip Rivers, that dude's not hanging around with unintelligent human beings about the game of football. So you're going to get an extremely bright-minded coach. And then you look at what he had after Rivers: Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, two very, two obviously young quarterbacks, two different style quarterbacks. That to me. Has got to be pretty attractive as well. If you want to maintain the defensive system currently in place, Shane Steichen and Gus Bradley worked together with the Chargers for four years. <laughs> he was a college quarterback, Jake, at UNLV. So you you know that, again, he's handled playing this position. I think there are definitely some reasons to like a lot of what Shane Steichen brings. I think anytime you've got like the super intellectual bright coach... There is that worry of, like, can you connect with everybody? You know, it's not just, you know, crazy math inside of the quarterback room. You you do have to be the head coach. But I think given the Colts' situation, there's a lot of reason to, like, do we, what's there. Do
1: we get caught up in association, though? In other words, do we know that Shane Steichen's a really good coach, or are we thinking of him in association of he's kind of like Sirianni, who we should have kept? So that's who we, you know, we can't get yeah, Sirianni. I don't even know we if he's like that, We can't get Peyton Manning, though. so we got Jeff Saturday. We can't get Sirianni, so we're going to get Shane Steichen. and we, you know, we, we et etc. et cetera, right? Yeah, I don't get the vibe
2: that he is Sirianni personality. Um, but to your point, Jake, I think we do that with every candidate. I mean, you, you look at everything. Correct. Class- Oftentimes
1: guys are not hired based on who they are, but rather who they remind you of.
2: It's glass half full or glass half empty, and a lot of it is just a 180 of what you previously had. I mean, if you look at Carolina's candidates, they went from they went super young or uh, super offensive with with a lot of their candidates. Um, yeah, you know, that was the you know stark contrast. Obviously, Denver, the higher they made, Houston was very young compared to what they went with Lovey Smith and David Callie each of the two previous years. Uh, but yeah, again, I don't feel. Uber confident with it, but if you were to say 10 bucks on one person right now,
1: I'd probably go Steichen. Do you know where Shane Steichen went to college? Yeah. You do? Did you already say it? Uh-huh. Did you say it already? I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Stephen Holder was just there, right? Correct. UNLV. Do you know the most famous quarterback to come out of UNLV? Or the most famous running back to come out of UNLV?
2: Definitely not Shane Steichen. I think... Um Scott Turner is an NFL coach that also plays quarterback A very popular
1: there. eagle. A very popular eagle. Mark, you got a guess? No, Randall Cunningham. That is correct. Nice. Do you job know, the running, Mark do you know the running back,
3: Mark? Is it Icky Woods. Look at the big What brain in the, the world? On Mark! My UNL knowledge is untouched.
1: Gosh. Who had 38 in the 1987 Runnin Final Rebels. Four against Indiana and a 97 93 loss? LeBron James. I don't know. That'd be Armand Gilliam. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think UNLV. Uh,
2: I'm not acting like Shane Steichen was some, you know, all Mountain West quarterback there for 20 years, but certainly he's played that position. He's calling plays in the
1: Super Bowl, and we'll see how the rest of the week plays out. Do you think? Again, I want to reemphasize this point, though, Kevin. When when I think a lot of people thought when when Ursa came out and said this will be days immediately people thought that it's got to be somebody who is currently in the Super Bowl. But while it is not forbidden, it is strongly suggested that teams not make an announcement Super Bowl week anyway, correct? Correct. Which is kind of a dumb thing, but whatever.
2: And again, the agreed-to-terms announcement, you saw Carolina do, you saw Denver do, but then they waited several days before Frank Reich and Sean Payton put pen to paper and then had their official press conferences. I don't think the Colts are going to go down that path. I think Chris Bauer has so much embarrassment and nightmarish thoughts about you really, Josh McDaniels. You're big on that, right? Yeah. I think they will wait to make sure this is final, final. Everything is good to go before they make an announcement. I mean, Jake, picture yourself in that organization. And for eight hours, Josh McDaniels' tweets were going out. Josh McDaniels, on the face of your... On your uh, website, you're sending out you know, ticket forms with Josh McDaniels on it. And then he tells you no. You'd probably have some embarrassment still. You'd probably have some scar tissue about it. So I, I totally get why they're being so hesitant and not having the typical NFL announcement where you get the agreed to terms and then the press conference comes a few days later. I could be wrong on that, but that's that's my thought.
1: I'll never forget getting that alert i would say it, it was 11 a.m in the out. morning
2: 11 a.m in the morning the announcement he agreed to terms right and then it's like seven o'clock yeah out, i was, I was gonna a, say just after dinner
1: i was at a park uh, my buddy torian was playing in a parks rec league basketball game and i was in the stands and all of a sudden i looked at like, man my phone is just blowing up like, wait a minute what thanks but no thanks okay wild absolutely wild yeah,
2: the YouTube chats commenting. I forgot that Kenny Main, ESPN, Kenny Main, was a quarterback
1: at UNLV. Uh, Colin Coward went to UNLV, didn't he? That always dumbfounds me.
2: Kenny Main. college I, quarterback.
1: I always thought Kenny Main's shtick got really old really fast. Am I the only one that thought that? I think he's a talented guy. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like,
2: I thought I had some good staying power. He
1: was a good. Anchor on Sports Center, but when they started sending him out to do like features, and he thought he was funny, it was like ugh. The probably Kenny Mayne's uh, not greatest moment was when he was the the one year that they had him as the MC for the Indy 500 victory banquet.
2: Oh, I remember telling the story.
1: Laurent he says, coming in you know 17th place, Ray Raydon, who wasn't there to come up and get the check, and he goes, apparently the had better things to do tonight and decided not to come here. And somebody walks up and they're like, oh, sorry, Lorenz in the hospital in traction after an accident on lap 200. Yeah, dude, it's 2002. The accident with Buddy Lazier that led to the controversial Paul Tracy Castro Nevis finish.
2: I want to go back a little bit to last night, Jake, and Indiana's win over Rutgers. Obviously, the first time since 2019, and their inability last year to handle. Honestly, you could point to it earlier this year. I know North Carolina's fallen off a cliff, but Jake, think about the hype after beating North Carolina and all of that, the pomp and and all the, oh my gosh, Indiana, what a huge win. They beat the defending national runner-up, all this stuff. And they go to Rutgers then a few days later and really get handled. Um, last year, you beat Purdue on your home floor, the court storming, et cetera, et cetera, Then you lose by 18 to a Michigan team that was bad last year. That was a 500-Michigan team that came into your building. Last night, here you are, playing at home, reacting after a big win, your first game after that emotional win, and you're playing a much better opponent than I think certainly Michigan was last year. And you kind of beat them a little bit at their game. You It wasn't like the prettiest-looking win by any means. You didn't score 79 like you did against Purdue. There were some ugly moments in the second half. Um, you go through a scoring drought. At this point with Indiana, you're looking for steps. Preseason, everybody thought, legit Sweet 16, sort of contender. They've won 7 of 8. They just won a game that they lost last year kind of in a similar fashion. Now the next question will be, can you do it away from home? You did it against Illinois last month. You know th- th- That will kind of be the the next question on the list. But I thought last night was an important step for them in continuing to try and show those preseason expectations were
1: not unwarranted. I thought, Kevin, define what you mean when you say, like, at their own game.
2: I thought it got pretty mucky and pretty loose ball, offensive rebound in the second half. And that's where Rutgers excels. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, to be fair, that's part of why Rutgers got back in the game. But if you look at how Indiana iced that game last night, Jake, it was a Trace Jackson Davis offensive rebound that he put back in, and then Trey Galloway did the same thing with a three point play late. Like the one thing that's Indiana went in a little bit in a different way.
1: The one thing that and by the way, it was uh Freddie Banks had thirty eight, Armand Gilliam thirty two in eighty seven. Sorry, Mark. Um
2: Mark was all over that.
1: The uh Alfred had thirty three, I know that much. The the thing about the game to me last night, Kevin, was uh, I really did feel like in the second half that Indiana did, you know, every time Rutgers got within five, like when it got down to five, you were kind of worried, right? Like it's a 10-point game. It gets down to five, and you're like, wait a minute. Got to three and two, I think. One, separate points. (laughs) But it just felt like they never let them fully get over the hump, and to your point, Kind of a grind down, not necessarily a pretty game. I guess that's, that's your point there, right? I mean, that the an eight that, minute scoring drought. Yeah.
2: How many times last year did we say eight minute scoring drought that, no doubt. that,
1: that and, they couldn't overcome? The game totally got away from them, right? But I just felt like it was like they kind of controlled the game, Indiana. Like it didn't. Did you ever think to yourself, like, oh gosh, here it comes?
2: No, I know the McConnell kid missed a three. That was pretty open to tie the game. You know, that might have been one of the few times. But for the most part, you felt like Indiana was still going to be able to. Again, they have such, I mean, I know Zach Eadie's more the cheat code, but hell, Trace Jackson Davis at times, Sims, I mean, he spun around Cliff Amore. I mean, he dominated him with that spin move. Cliff Amore threw a three that I think landed in Griffey Lake there late in the game. <laughs> He shot it and then Usain Bolt sprinted right away. Griffey to try and Lake.
3: Did you have that on you used the Used to watch that club? show in the 90s.
2: <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things have been lit up over at Griffey Lake.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: All right, 8 o'clock hour here. Kevin and Quarry, Stephen Holder joining us now. He got the retweet yesterday from Jim Ursay. I actually thought Ursay then took his tweet and was like, you know what? I'm going to put my Ursay spin on it, but pretty much say what Stephen said a little bit earlier in the day, and that was a reminder of the patient process Chris Ballard promised back a month ago. It's a month today since the Colt season has ended, by the way. And Ursay said, the final decision would be strictly based on what's best for our franchise's success, best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not ours. Steven joins us now. Steven, I might be premature with this, and we'll see what the final answer is, but... I get the vibe that Jim Merce has let Chris Ballard run this how Chris Ballard has wanted to run it over the past month, and I have not said that about every or many important decisions this franchise has made over the last 12 months.
4: I concur 100%. That is the vibe that I get. That is, every indication that I have, uh, that, is, that is that is what I have taken away from, from all of this. And I think there's there's a couple of Indications. Uh, first of all, uh, you look at who they who they talked to in terms of who who they interviewed. Now th- they went after some of the bigger names. Obviously, they they talked to Dan Quinn and, and guys like that. But there ha- there haven't been maybe the sexy names, if you will, right? And I think that to me that indicates Chris Ballard's in charge. I think they also uh, with the the deliberative the deliberate. Excuse me nature of this, tells me Chris Ballard. That's exactly what he told us to expect, right? And, you're right, Jim Mercy didn't need to re- didn't need to put up his own tweet, because I did say the same thing he said, so um, I don't know if that's a kiss of death getting the, the retweet from the owner or not, but anyhow, I, I agree with you, I really do and, and I have also heard from people in the building who who, who don't like the fact or let me say, put it this way, don't love how Jim Merce has been characterized throughout this. I don't think we were wrong about anything we said, okay? But but I also think they make a fair point when they say, you know, this has not been Jim Merce's nature right. throughout his his time as an owner, and it hasn't. So so I, hopefully uh, this was the uh, the exception and not the rule. You know, some of the interaction we saw last year from him, and, and we'll see. I, I, I get the sense that you are correct, though, KB.
1: Steven, is it even possible with the the lack of information, and I'll give the Colts credit in that regard, to tell us, like, uh, even a gut of who you think the frontrunner is? Or is that literally an impossible estimation at this point?
4: I really think it's impossible. And I think... It is remarkable, you know, based on or what you just said. It is remarkable in terms of them controlling the flow of information. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and I think part of that is, is, is number one, I don't think they have given a lot of indication. And they also have, have talked to such a, a large number of people that it, it is hard to, to kind of weed people out. Uh, they, they've all gotten the exact same treatment, which was intentional, not because they were trying to keep it a secret, but because they were trying to ensure that everybody got a fair shake. You know, that's, that's what was emphasized to me this week. You know, the, the whole, what was it like 12 hour interviews? Uh, I understand that each candidate, each of the finalists who had in-person interviews, they each got three to four hours on average. Of one-on-one time with Ursay which sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, he could talk. He could make a lot of music references in three hours, um, and so anyway, I, I really think all of those factors have made it really, really impossible to you know, without someone specifying to you, you know, who the front runner is, made it hard to, to determine that. And they're not talking. I'm telling you, they are not talking. At least. Not in terms of specifics, and as you said, I give him credit for that.
2: Stephen Holder with us uh, from ESPN.com. Um, I, I hesitate to call anyone a favorite at this point, and this is me probably reading too much into it, Stephen. But if we get to like Friday and it's still really, really quiet, would that mean to you that someone in the Super Bowl, maybe Shane Steichen, is that favorite? Because if it was somebody else could you see a little bit of leakage from their side of things? Whereas the Steichen camp is going to want to be all in on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Obviously, the Ballard camp wants to be all in on quiet, quiet, quiet. Again, I'm probably reading too much into this, but if we get to Friday and we've heard nothing, would that lend you to think that's sort of lean
4: one way? I mean, it's a a fair... um What's the word? Uh, it's fair to wonder that for sure. Put it that way. Uh, I, I mean, if you were taking bets, you'd probably take that bet, not because I heard anything, and I know you're not saying that right. either. Just yeah, I don't have an overwhelming amount of
2: confidence with that. But if I were right. if I were to go anywhere, that's probably where I would lean.
4: Right. I mean, I think I, I think if we're looking for indications, right? And we don't have any. <laughs> okay. So that's that's like the one possible potential indicator that we have. So you can't ignore it, you know, given the limited information that we have. I think that's a fair statement. Um, but again, I mean, do I know anything about how they feel about Shane Steichen? No. Um, and, and the one thing I would say about all of this, keep in mind, is, you know, we have gotten so little information, but we have we have heard so much speculation throughout this thing, right? So much. And I have really just kept quiet for the most part. Like if I know something, I'll put it out there. If I, if I have some, you know, reasonable thoughts, uh, I put them out there, but I really tried not to speculate because I mean, there's been a lot of stuff said and most of it's been wrong. <laughs> That's something somebody in the building told me this week was that, look, you have no idea how wrong some of this information has been. And I don't, I'm not talking about anything specific. Um, but I'm just saying a lot of that has probably come from social media uh, speculation, but all I can tell you is that they, they've apparently been sitting back and laughing at a lot of it.
1: Steven, the report came out, I believe you actually were one of those that, that had information on this, that the Colts, the reason that the Colts were, I'll I'll say blocking for lack of a better phrase, not granting permission for other teams right. to talk to Gus Bradley, was because there were perhaps multiple head coaching candidates who had expressed an interest of retaining Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. Do we know which candidates that would be?
4: I do not know. That is that is true, yes. That is what I was told. And I, my understanding is that it is definitely multiple candidates. I do not know which ones. Um, I mean, we can... Yeah,
2: can we go off and, some of the connections? Isn't Raheem Morris yeah, that's, Basaccia? That's what I was
4: gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. Like we could, we could kind of look for connections. Shane yeah. Steichen, and and there are a few, right? There are a few. I I think it's it, it's there's some like legitimate, like I just talked about speculation, but like there's actually uh, some you know some some strong indicators we can look at there, even though. They're just that. There's still speculation, but I do think there's some, you know, there's some decent uh, speculation we can make there. Like you said, Versace has history with him in Vegas and elsewhere, I believe. But um, Raheem Morris and he have history. I'm mm-hmm. forgetting someone. Uh, Steichen. Yeah, Morris, Versace, Steichen are the three that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think there could be more. I mean, I, I, I think you don't have to necessarily have history with him. To, to also watch the tape and say, you know what, this defense is workable, right? I, I mean, the Colts' offense last season was was absolutely dreadful, okay? I mean, dreadful. And I think if you watch it and, and keep that understanding in mind, I think you would have a, a pretty positive impression of the defense and and say to yourself, okay, well, who am I going to go get at this point you know, that's better. And and I don't know, maybe you have someone in mind because generally coaching candidates do. But if you have something in place that also works and and the team is actually in favor of that option, because I think Chris Ballard does seem to I mean, he built that defense and I, I think was in favor of obviously hiring Gus Bradley. So they would be in favor of it. So, you know, you might you might just kind of go along with that. Steven the QAnon
1: folks went crazy yesterday direct messaging me that when Jim Ursay said that the decision would come in days and capital day de- capitalized days, uh, that meant Jeff
4: Saturday. Your thoughts. <laughs> oh my God. Man, I don't know if to be impressed or if to be scared.
2: <laughs> I think I'm I think uh, I'm kinda impressed by that. Right? That someone's like, mind uh, I, would, I, would would go there. You imagine if Ursay was doing that?
4: I, I mean first of all wow (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm not that smart i guess but no i uh my thoughts are let's just let's hope that's not true because then i'm gonna have to start looking at life in a whole different way okay (laughs) that's scary
2: steven i got one more on the coaching front and i do want to ask you something else non-coaching related before we let you go but we're now a month into this. I, I've said all along, I'm totally fine with the amount of patience that Chris Ballard has shown. The one negative, the one con I would have is are you missing out on some staff candidates? You know, let's not act like just the head coaching hires the most important thing, particularly if that person is not on the offensive side of the ball. You've got some big time hires and some big time people maybe to try and retain as well. What cons, if any, do you think there are with the Colts waiting as long
4: as they have? That's the one I have. I agree with you. And I mean, look, I'm not up in arms about it. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they have made a mistake, Uh, but I, but I do think they, they have made a a willful decision here to take their time. And, and and when you do that, that means that you understand there may be unintended consequences. And that would be one. There's no question about it. I, I think that the staff matters a lot, like a whole lot. Now, the good thing is there. There have only been uh, I think there were what, five openings this year, so there's not quite as much movement as there was like last year. I think there were ten ultimately, uh, ten different head coaches. Uh, but there's still this is still the time of year when when people want to get settled. If you're an assistant coach, you got your family, uh, kids in school, etc. You you want to get settled and understand where you're going to be, and that this is the time of year that happens, and, and people start getting nervous you know, when the musical chairs are toward the end of the process, right? You don't want to get left standing, right? So so that's a, that's a legitimate thing. And, and the other thing I'd say about coaching staff is, I think a, a little discussed issue uh, over the last year or so is, I, I think Frank Reich suffered a lot from his staff departures over the past two off-seasons, like a lot. I mean, we know we talked about Sirianni a lot, and, and that one is obvious, but there have been other departures, too. Uh, among position coaches that I really think ultimately uh, did not help Frank Reich, and, and some of those he let them go, and you know to, to allow them to have upper, upward mobility, I credit him for that. Uh, but ultimately, his staff I think I think took a hit as a result of some of those moves.
1: Stephen Stephen Holder, by the way, is our guest. He is with ESPN.com. Of course, he joins us on the Payless Siggers Hotline. Is there any chance? That the Colts look at this year's quarterback draft and say, "You know what? A Couple of intriguing talents, but there are no can't-miss franchise guys. We are going to go ahead and run this one more time with the veteran. Any chance that happens?
4: Hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a fair question. I don't. I think a lot of people just dismiss it right out of hand." You know, like the whole Derek Carr situation, and I'm not, you know, I'm not proposing that at all. But I mean, I don't think it's like a ridiculous thought either, right? I mean, that's a different level of quarterback than they've looked at the last few years, I think. I think I see him completely different than, you know, even Phillip Rivers, who I loved, but, you know, was 39. Anyway, however, I do think there's a couple factors. Number one, uh, they they have the number 4 overall pick. You don't get that opportunity often. All right? I mean, it took a very unique season for them to get there, and I use unique very loosely. So, you don't know where you you don't know that you're going to end up in that range of the draft like ever. That's number 1. Number 2, very clearly, the owner is tired of of the back and forth at quarterback. And and I do think uh, given that reality and the, the reality of where they're drafting uh, in terms of draft slot, I think the opportunity is too great. I think you have to do it now. So I, I don't think it's likely. I'm not ruling it out, but I think it's a very, very, very small chance of it happening just because it's just too compelling. The opportunity and the uniqueness of it is too compelling for them to not do it right now.
1: Couldn't agree more. So to piggyback off that, I'm not saying for the Colts, but I am curious of this. And I know he's a wonderful talent, but I saw yesterday that Aaron Rodgers now says he's going to take another, he's doing some weird, you know, trip (laughs) somewhere where he sits in the dark for four days and to the point of hallucination to clear his head. That's cool. He's going to take mushrooms, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, honestly, (laughs) like... Like, he, I mean, he, he's done it before. Has he talked about this before. So, well, my my question is anyway, this: sorry. Like, he's under contract, right? I mean, at your point, yes. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, right? Like, who knows what this guy? You know what I mean? He, he's a Berkeley dude, right? But, but he's under okay. contract. Is he his? Is he going to eccentricity his way out of teams having interest in getting his services towards the end? Number one and number two, he's under contract. Like, why why does he mm-hmm. have this decision?
4: I think that's a great point. Uh he does he has carried himself like <laughs> like he has all the cards here. <laughs> There's no question about it. I, I think he has I think it's actually an indication of of how much he has worn the Packers down though. He's worn them down so much that he apparently is working under the assumption that <laughs> that they're sick of me and and they're not going to they're not going to put up with this anymore. I, I mean cause it does feels that way, right? I mean, uh he is he has not it seems entertained I, I haven't heard anything from him entertaining the the option of like coming back to the packers if he plays i mean has he even said anything remotely close to that i i don't recall it well i just so, think it's uh, odd yeah.
1: the whole like you know i'll decide if i'm going to play next year and if so like where i'm going to play like what do you mean where you're going to play? like you know i'm Steve. i'm not All gonna right. lie to you i'm gonna take this weekend I could think about whether or not I want to do a radio show next week, and then if so, I'll let you know where it's going to be. What? I have a contract,
4: <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he just—it's a very strange thing. Look, at the, I would say this: the Packers have to be exhausted. You know, I'm exhausted. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, every year, man. Every year. I mean, they these these guys. The front office, the head coach had to fly out to California and kiss the ring for him to deem him, deem them with his presence. And it's like, that's exhausting, man. Come on. You know, I I would be over it. I, I think the Packers fans, there's a fair amount of Packers fans who seem to be over it too. And, and frankly, they, you know, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is washed. I am not saying that, but I mean. He wasn't good enough to make the difference in that team, you know, the way he has in the past this year. Um, He he really has been a guy who, he's carried that team a number of years. There have been a number of years where he has carried that team. He was not able to do that this year, which I think is also telling.
1: Can you imagine playing for the same franchise as Brett Favre and... And somehow, sur- like somehow surpassing him as the most dramatic off field quarterback in franchise history. What the hell is Brett Favre doing <laughs>
2: I mean, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Last year, he started looking like Jets' Brett Favre, or, you know, maybe at yeah. times like late Vikings. Yeah. And I think that's pretty concerning, too. Um, Steven, last one for me, and I guess kind of on this front. and... Again, I I couldn't agree more. When you have the opportunity with the fourth overall pick, you've done this song and dance the last handful of years, you have to take advantage of that. Having said that, you know, the Colts could, and I would understand it. Um, I think it's debatable whether you start the rookie from day one, whether you don't start the rookie from day one. You threw out an interesting veteran name that I think if Matt Ryan wasn't the name, or wasn't the QB here this past season, he very well could have been the starter um, in one of your latest pieces on ESPN.com as just a potential landing spot for some of these free agent quarterbacks. And I thought your explanation made some sense. you, you mind sharing what you said about Jameis Winston?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, the reality is uh, they were deep in talks with Jameis Winston before Matt Ryan became available. And, and it's my understanding that that Jameis was, was Frank Reich's choice if they had to pick from among that group of, of you know, sort of second-tier quarterbacks, you know, that were available. Yeah. And I'm talking about, like, Mariota, uh, Jameis, et cetera, that group. Uh, Jameis was, was, I think, the guy Frank Reich preferred. I don't know what Chris Ballard's preference was. But anyhow, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, number one, or no, number two, I should say, the you know the money. I think would be reasonable. That's for sure. And then, lastly, honestly, I think that the the ability of Jameis or his strength really is to throw the ball down the field. And and what was missing most from this offense in in 2022, they had no ability to stretch the field, like none. And I don't know how accurate Jameis Winston is, but at least the threat is there, and and that helps Jonathan Taylor. I mean, think about what you might have been able to do with Jonathan Taylor this year. You know, had he had he had, you know, some some ability to uh, to get to back guys off the, the line of scrimmage, he didn't have that. I mean, they were crowding defenses were crowding the line of scrimmage, and they didn't have the ability to back them off because they had no threat of throwing down the field. So, it's not ideal, and and I'm not promising you that it works, <laughs> but uh, but I do think you could see a scenario where if you play good defense and. And and you know you have at least you know some some explosiveness in your offense and and run the ball well you know you could see a scenario where that could be workable and I, and I think that's that's kind of where they're going to be. They have to have some sort of veteran here um, to to take the pressure off the rookie. I think I think sticking him in there and just assuming he's going to play day one I think is never a good idea. If it happens, it happens, but don't don't just proceed as though that's going to be the case in my opinion.
2: And again, the assumption Matt Ryan, Nick Foles won't be wearing Colts jerseys. Coming Correct. September here, 2023. All right, Stephen. um, does the nightly drink intake alter at all right now, considering that we're kind of waiting for this white smoke or are you under the impression that, yeah, I'm good till
4: Monday. Um, well, I, I pro- first of all, I just got home from Las Vegas, so I, I probably don't need to drink, but, um, yeah, I think we're good for a few days. I I didn't uh, I, I didn't get the sense the last time I talked to people that there was anything imminent. And then that was before Ursay's tweets or retweet and tweet. And so I think they're definitely signaling to us that like they sit tight. I mean there is the whole notion that the NFL doesn't They kind of frown upon major announcements on Super Bowl week. We're now at Wednesday of Super Bowl week. Roger Goodell has a big press conference today. That's going to be the the big headline of the day. I mean, by, by the time we get to the end of Super Bowl week, unless it leaks out, they're not announcing anything. I can tell you that. Like, almost for sure. Right. So, I don't anticipate anything. No. Hey,
1: did you go see Carrot Top in Vegas? I, I didn't God, know that. he looks
4: awful. You you were right, Jake.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. He and Madonna, like, there's some guy sailing <laughs> the world on a, yacht, a plastic surgeon, like, hell yeah.
2: I heard Steven had some success on the tables.
4: So, okay, yeah, I, I did not go see Carrot Top because I was too busy uh, winning lots of money at Blackjack and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then giving it all back uh, mm. in the subsequent days because that's how it works. Yeah.
1: Well, I would like to know this, Stephen.
2: Shelbyville or Anderson, if you really want to keep, keep,
1: keep, keep going. I, I would there. like oh. to know which is a more exhilarating high in a nightclub. Winning blackjack in Las Vegas or being accompanied by yours truly to see too short at the Vogue? Oh, I mean,
4: now I mean that, that's pretty close, isn't it? Wouldn't you say?
1: Uh, well, let's not
4: feed
2: the ego any more than it needs to be fed here, Stephen. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: It was it was a pretty good show, I will
2: say. It was say cool. Maybe that oxygen from Vegas is getting <laughs> to Steven a bit
1: in the uh, old casinos. I'm, I'm jet-lagged, I'm jet-lagged. Wait, how long were you in Vegas, Steven? He was a pro Dude, bowler, right? I was, in, I was in Vegas for like six days, which is Yeah, that's, that's, that's double so the... That's many days. Yeah, that's Way double the max. Yep. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was working. Don't get me wrong. I wrote a lot of stories. Like, I actually worked, Right. But there's 24 hours in a day, man. And I was like, "Get me out of here! I gotta go home." (laughs) Yeah.
2: Six days in Vegas, you should get a you know free trip to somewhere to relax for that penance that you served
4: out there. Uh,
2: Stephen, thank you for the time. We'll probably see you here soon. All right, guys.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kisquali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisquali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kisquali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kisquali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisquali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kisquali is right for you
2: tonight it will be the final game before the three o'clock trade deadline i do appreciate a three o'clock trade deadline you don't have to wait till like midnight yeah, it's better
1: than the midnight. correct
2: so three o'clock thursday if i remember correctly the oladipo to houston james harden carousel vert all of that that happened really close to the deadline a couple of years back we'll see if the pacers get involved with anything Here in the next day or so to chat more about that from the Indianapolis Star. He is Dustin DePirac. Dustin, I I want to start here. I think any time you kind of evaluate a team at the deadline, particularly one that is, you know, you could probably make cases for both sides of buyer-seller, probably fall somewhere in the middle. You kind of look at where do they have a lot and where do they not have as much. So if I threw that to you, where do the Pacers, you feel like, have a surplus and where do you feel like they need help?
5: Uh, they got a surplus at the backup five, um, and uh, on some level, they need to at least try to move somebody. I think out of that uh, situation. I mean, I, I, on some level, all three of their backup seniors, daniel Tice, uh, Isaiah Jackson, and Jalen Smith—give them, gave them something a little bit different. Um, you know, Jackson and Davis are kind of, or J- I'm sorry, uh, Jackson and Smith are kind of similar body types. Um, but you know, Smith, I think, has a little bit better touch around the rim. He's a little bit of a better outside shooter, even though he hasn't done a great job at that and he's probably a little bit of a better rebounder uh, but jackson's a better you know, floor runner and better rim protector um so there's some slight differences there but i think they ultimately want to keep those guys and just sort of find out what each of them have uh so i wouldn't be surprised to see them move daniel tyson i think that might be a reason why he's getting so many minutes right now anyway um but if they kept him i mean they could live with it because there is something he gives them that they don't i mean just as a wider body you know sort of You know, big muscular guy sets bone-rattling screens, you know, boxes people out. I mean, he's still figuring out his, uh, you know, what he's doing uh, with this team. But obviously you've seen him be valuable for, um, you know, for playoff teams in the past was was with the Celtics through the finals last year. Um, So he's a piece that they could move just to sort of pick up something. Um, And the area, obviously, they're missing the date that they need uh, is power forward um you know obviously in the starting lineup they they Aaron he's missed a three obviously was playing the four. I mean he does play more physical uh than anybody else really they, they've put in that spot um and I, I think plays above his six five size but he's still six five and it's causing them some issues on the glass I mean I guess he, the, the guy really does get off it on the board so I don't like to talk about him like he's a bad rebounder or anything like that but it's just there's just only so much you can do in the NBA when you're six five when it comes to grabbing stuff off the glass um, and the fact that he only averages right around four rebounds a game. Um, is an issue, and it's part of the reason why I think they're about twenty fifth, twenty six in defensive rebounding. Uh, I think it was twenty fifth when I wrote a story on Sunday, and it might have gone up or it might have gone down. But the bottom line is, is they're 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 not finishing enough possessions. Uh, there are times they're doing a good job of defending the first shot uh, and not doing a great job of keeping them off the glass and keeping teams away from second chance points. So they need rebounding, and they could really use it from the power forward spot. Uh, the question is whether they go after it now um, as they're sort of heading towards you know tenth, eleventh, and lottery position. Um, when, you know, what, what's what's the ultimate upside for this group and what are you willing to trade to get to that? Um, but on that basis, you know, what do you need? you need a power forward? What can you afford to lose? You, you know, what, what could you really need, you know, what would help you to get rid of? It's sort of clearing out that log jam at the backup five.
1: I guess the question I would have, Dustin, would be this, and that is, of the players the Pacers are willing to move, Give me the three that actually have the highest value on the market.
5: Uh, Buddy Healed, Chris Duarte, and I guess Tice. I'm trying to think of... Um, who else? You know, because you know, obviously they're not moving Halliburton, they're not moving Matherin, uh, they're not moving Turner. Now that he had that, uh, you know, that that extension, obviously his deal technically allows you to, but uh, by going out and having a press conference saying, "Look how great this is that we signed Miles Turner," and then obviously asking Greg, answering Greg Gold's question by saying, "We don't sign a guy to trade a guy," you know, you have, Turner's off the market, and um, you know, again, you, you just you, you can't have that big press conference and move him. Um, so you know, those guys are off the market, and I can't imagine. they would move Andrew Nemhard. I think they want to see what they've not see what they've got with him, but I think they're really proud of themselves for getting him um, and and like what he brings to the table. So I'd be really surprised if they moved a guy like him. I'd be surprised if they moved Aaron Nismith. I think they really like what they're getting from him as well, uh, especially um, with with that deal. So I think those guys are pretty much off uh, just on the basis of their youth and whatnot. though so, I mean, I think he'll still get you something. Um, I, I think he still gets you a good bit. Obviously, the guy's leading the league in three pointers. He's he's thirty, so he's not crazy old, and you know you know what you're getting from Buddy. You can't make him the center piece of your entire offense. Um, But, you know, he can still get you buckets. And, you know, obviously, it's a question on a place where he fits. If he, if you put him in an unstable situation, I don't know if that's going to be very good for him. But if you find a team that really likes him and appreciates him, and and a chemistry of guys he gets along with, he can be really valuable for him, for you. But they also they, they also like him where he is. I mean, it does, I don't. I, I'm sure that they're willing to listen to offers and, and willing to you know entertain uh, you know uh, basically a package where they could get something really good uh, for him and some other guys. But I, they're not rushing to get rid of him. Um, you know, they are happy with what he. Produced, they like what the chemistry he brings with with Tyrese, and uh, you know all that's important. So if they're going to move him. Uh, it would take a lot, but I, mean, I think DeMarte still gets you something, even though he's had his struggles coming off the ankle injury. Um, you know, obviously, averaged thirteen a game last year. I think he's still, you know, still young at twenty five, still a valuable player. Uh, so I think you get to get something for him. Um, and yeah, no, I think I think I think Tice is kind of the, is kind of the next one. I think those three, you know, especially as veterans, uh, you know, C.J. McConnell is another one. I think if if you need specifically that, if you, if you need a second team point guard, you know, obviously they could move him and move Andrew Emhart into that position. Uh, and put you know him more on the ball uh, offensively, uh, but you know McConnell has been just super productive for them, especially during the period where where Halliburton was out. Uh, as much as they lost those games, I mean McConnell really performed uh, really well, and you could see that he could still do what he does, uh, you know, very well, be able to get to the rim, hit short jumpers, um, and facilitate, and you know, defend people get steals from the backcourt, just do T.J. McConnell things, uh, there's still some value for that. So if somebody really wanted that, uh, you know, that's that's a guy I think that would, would have at least some level of value.
1: You're going to laugh when I say this, both of you guys. You ready to call me crazy here? I can't wait. I've been waiting for this all morning. <laughs> not, not that there are people knocking down the door for him. Don't get me wrong. I think the Pacers consider T.J. McConnell in the category of Matherin. Halliburton, etc. And I don't mean in terms of talent, future, whatever else, but in terms of untouchable. Am I crazy, Dustin? Like, I really believe that Kevin Pritchard really values what T.J. McConnell brings to them.
5: That is high praise. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're crazy. The untouchable part... Because I mean, he, Mather and Halliburton are a level of untouchable. Like those are. The I, I, get, it. I, mean, I, I get it. I mean, I get it. Someone a lottery pick I'm tomorrow, just saying. Gonna do
1: it. I think he yep. is more in the "we'd rather not" pile than he is in the "make us an offer" pile.
5: He's definitely in the we'd rather not pile. That I would agree with you with, um, and I, I, I mean, again, he's performed really, really well. I mean, I think you've seen just how much he still has left in the tank um, in the last couple weeks. Again, it wasn't enough to get him a win, and so I think that's the reason why you wouldn't call him untouchable. Um, he only got him one win, I, obviously, in that entire stretch. That Halliburton was out, but man, he really did so many good, so many things well. Uh, and you know, basically, when he's um, haven't really operated a full second unit since Halliburton was out, even to he come back it hasn't been you know all five you know guys from the bench on the, on the floor at the same time but did a really good job with that second unit uh you know before Tyrese got hurt um so that there, there's just been so many things he's done well this year and again you just see that he's got so much left I and mean, when he wants to get down it, it, it's remarkable just just how if he really wants to get to his shot he gets it <laughs> you know and like you you look at him and you, you just think of him as limited on some level but when like when he wants to get to the rim or get to the paint um, he's so effective at it I mean he, he's, he, he's good at beating his man to his spots um, and you know that's valuable and obviously uh, is really good at setting guys up and you know again gets you how many loose balls a night whether it's a steal in the backcourt or a long rebound or something like that I mean like that's really important You it keeps those it does, does a good job of just keeping morale up um, so yeah I mean they, it, it would have to be part of a much bigger offer uh, it's you know you, you have to get somebody very real for him um, again they see a lot of value in him. I think he's a guy that, that obviously they think that, that can be a part um you know just be a part of their core. I mean Rick Carlisle absolutely loves him be able to just just and and he's one of several of those guys that Carlisle discusses about, and so yeah, I, I he he is not a guy that they are looking to get rid of. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, love and appreciation and untouchable. I, uh, yeah, I, I think those are got to be two different things. Again, Dustin DePirac with us here, Indianapolis Star. Dustin, you you know we're at the Miles Turner press conference. You've chatted with Kevin Pritchard you know recently about the trade deadline. Do you get the vibe that the goalposts have moved a bit from? wins and losses don't matter at the start of the year, to now, oh, we are starting to win. That's going to impact what we do at the trade deadline.
5: 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it, he said that the, the you know, one line he used was, I'm, I'm just so bullish on our guys, and he did say, I, I am looking at this team a lot different than I was in October. Um, you know, that's not the exact wording or whatever. But you think that's
2: more individual pieces or wins
1: related?
5: um both I mean he, he also did say like this isn't going to be our best team um, you know I, I think that's something that, that's another thing he said was that you know we're not looking at this as this team has to win right now um, and you know we're not looking at this as, as you know we, we've we've got to go all out we've got to go throw something for this team because it has to have its best chance to maximize its position um, I, I, it's more of a sense of I have more, I have more of what I'm going to need than I expected to. And we're further along in the rebuilding process than we expected to be, but we're not necessarily in the place where it makes sense to go all out for this year because what are you going all out for? You know, what's your ceiling? And, and right now, right now it looks like your ceiling is to get into a playoff series. Um, just to get to one, and it's like, okay, like if you're not going to be able to win around, if you know winning the play in and, and, and ending up in the eight and playing the Celtics is your best case scenario, what's that worth? Uh, and and are you willing to trade anything that is going to matter for your future um, and for for that prospect when you could start thinking about next year and the year after and the year after and and you know what are the pieces that you want to be there for that uh, that's I think where he is is the sense of like you know if if you can get this team into a playing game there's value I mean I I don't want to act like there's not value but there's only so much and and it's, so it's it's a scenario where like you're you're certainly not trading for somebody that has an expiring deal and you know it's not like in baseball where it's like man this team just really needs a lefty reliever you got to be willing to trade a you know uh, rookie or you know one of your top five prospects to go get one because this is how far you can get um you know they're, they're not there it's you know like i mean i could see i don't think that i don't think they're gonna go after john collins for other reasons but you know like uh, somebody that has uh, some time left on his contract, and you could say, okay, well, that's going to be a piece for you going forward. Like if you go get that person, it fills the you know hole that you're missing, and that's going to be a core piece for you as you as you you know get closer to being a championship team. Um, you know that that's the thing that, that obviously they would be willing to do, but they, they wouldn't go. You know, you're not getting a rental is the point. Um, you know, this this team doesn't need rentals. That's it's not going to go far enough for it to make sense for them to trade anything of value for a guy that they're going to lose.
1: I, my prediction: If they make a move, it is actually the surplus of number ones that they use to sweeten the pot. Yeah, to move somebody and then upgrade that position. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. Yeah, because no, I think it, that they feel like Dustin. They've got good positioning, you know, because those two number ones they have from Boston and Cleveland are going to be late, and then they got Houston's. First round pick, first, second round pick, if that makes sense. Got like Um, four in the top 32. Correct. So, like, they've got three picks between 25 and 35. I'll bet they unload one or two of them.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what Kevin Fisher went so far as to say is that he, he said, we, we almost certainly won't bring in four rookies um, because they're young enough as is. Um, and it, it's just, he, the, the phrase he used, and it's, it's a little gruesome, but, you know, to get to his point, it makes sense. He says, well, when you have so many young guys that kind of cannibalize each other, um, and and he's right. I mean, I think you, you just see what's happening with between Smith and Jackson right now. Um, you know, having two 22, 21-year-old guys uh, at the same spot where you already have the starter. You know, again, you're you're trying to figure out what to do with uh, 18 minutes a game, and even before Tyce came back, I mean, they were basically alternating that. You know, so like one of those guys who they you know really believe in and think have bright futures um, is 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 getting a DNP on you know basically every other night. Um, so they they have a lot of jam there already, and it's like, okay, well, what else? Who, who else are you bringing in that's going to be in in a similar position? You know, you could. You know, you're you're starting to get a bunch of young wings. You know, when you've got Duarte and you've got, you know, Matherin, and, and 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 obviously, they, they do need more. Um, their, their needs again. I think they need more power forward. Uh, you know, they, they I think they could use another. You know, high scoring, high usage, you know, high usage usage wing. Uh, I think they I think they just need another top player, uh, basically, to be a part of this thing. I just think there's there's just a little bit more talent to be to be part of this core. Um, but you do run the risk of okay, well, you know, when's that guy coming off the? Floor, you know, when, when, how are you getting this guy minutes if you have to play this guy? Um, they're not too far in the future for that, especially with with the young guys, and they could easily, you know, find some uh, players stuck in the bench. And they've, you know, they've already had talented players. You know, go GoBoot, Dante was what a first round pick, and they're going to have to move him um, because he's not getting any minutes at all. Um, so, you know, if, if you bring in another surplus on, on top of what they already have, you know, with all the guys they already have on the field, they have five, six guys that are, you know, 23 or younger, uh, might even be more than that. Then you know you you are really running the risk of, of you know having guys not be able to get minutes when they need time to develop. I mean you might you know be sending way too many guys down to Fort Wayne. Um, so they are I think certainly willing to move uh, move those picks, uh, particularly the Cleveland and the Boston pick. I think um, I think you know, obviously they look at those as first rounders. They think they'll be valuable. You know again the issue is going to be that Cleveland and Boston are going to be bottom ten uh, draft picks by the time it's all said and done uh, in the first round. So they're only going to be so valuable but I think they absolutely are going to look to move them back. You know, he, he, said, he again, Pritchard said, I can't imagine bringing in four rookies, so I just don't think they will, and one of those is going to move at some point, whether it's an hour before the draft.
2: Tonight, it's a 7.30 tip from Miami Pacers. Last I saw, six-and-a-half point underdog, you know, Kyle Lowry, you no know, Victor Lodipa, who Dustin knows well from the IU beat back in his days, and then, of course, the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Dustin, good luck with the news cycle here over the next 24, 36 hours. Thank you.
5: Appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for having me, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.